Hello, and welcome to another episode of Relationship Alive. This is your host, Neil Satin. For this episode, we're going to focus on something extremely simple and practical, the importance of questions. How well do you know your partner? And if you say you know them well, are you sure that you're not actually making assumptions about them? And how do you cultivate your curiosity in a way that keeps your relationship fresh instead of stuck in the same old patterns? Today's guest is Susan Piver, New York Times bestselling author of The Hard Questions, 100 Questions to Ask Before You Say I Do, and whose new book, Start Here Now, An Open-Hearted Guide to the Path and Practice of Meditation, just came out this past September. In this conversation, we're going to explore how asking simple, practical questions can help you get to the heart of what is and isn't working in your relationship. Whether you've already said I do, or are simply trying to figure out why your partner does what they do. And just as important as the questions themselves, we're also going to talk about how to ask a question and fully take in the answer in a way that helps build understanding and connection, or so you know when to walk away from a relationship. All this, plus a chance to win a signed copy of Susan's book, The Hard Questions, coming up on today's episode of Relationship Alive. Susan Piver, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me, Neil. I'm glad to be here. My pleasure. We are here to talk primarily about your book, The Hard Questions, and it's subtitled 100 Essential Questions to Ask Before You Say I Do. And it's an amazing short book that's packed with lots of opportunity for a couple to really explore together or for you to explore on your own as you're getting, as you're in a relationship, getting into a relationship, what you're looking for in a relationship. It's really just such a versatile book. And I'm wondering, Susan, if you could talk for a moment about how it even came to you to write this book, The Hard <laughs> Questions. Yeah, sure. I, um, well, I was never intending to write a book. I was just talking to my boyfriend about getting married and I was very hesitant. I had not seen a lot of relationships work out and I knew that we loved each other, but that didn't really seem to be a guarantee of anything because everybody who gets married loves each other. So I went to the bookstore to see if I could get some advice about how to make this commitment, you know, how to know whether or not you should make this commitment or what it meant to make this commitment. And finally, how one might actually honor this commitment beyond just lip service. So I, when I went to the bookstore, all I found, however, were books about dresses <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, bridesmaids gifts and just, you know, whatever things are nothing wrong with those things, but that was not what I was looking for when I went to the wedding section. So I started thinking on my own, what, how could this ever work out or why didn't it work out for most people? And I had an epiphany that most relationships that don't work out 
don't work out because somebody stopped loving somebody else. In fact, it's rarely a question of love. And it's more a question of you couldn't create a life together that you both loved. So, you know, I had had, I've actually had great relationships in my life. I've had good luck with relationships. But when I reflected on my previous ones, I realized that the important ones hadn't ended because we didn't love each other. They ended because we couldn't figure out how to make a life together that we both wanted to live. So I asked myself, what did I know about how Duncan, my now husband, what did I know about how he viewed life? I knew how he viewed me. I know that I loved him. I knew he loved me. I I knew we had fun together and all of that. But what was his kid going to call me? And were we going to keep our money in the same bank account? That And where were we going to live? Because at the time, we lived in two different cities. And what holidays were we going to celebrate? And, you know, I just started writing down questions. And we started answering them one by one. And it turned out to be a really, really, really wonderful process. And I was telling a friend of mine about it one day. And she said, that would make a really good book. And... That was the first time I ever thought about that. And then through a variety of whatever, lucky circumstances, it became a book. <laughs> and can you talk a little bit also about the process of asking questions? Because that's, I think, one of my favorite things to talk about is how do you how do you come up with a good question so as you were thinking of things to add to your book how did you know whether a question was like a good and productive question to be asking versus a question that maybe was headed in the wrong direction mm. well i want i knew i wanted to keep the questions very pragmatic because these were the things that couples myself or or friends of mine that i noticed argued about. You know, nobody argues about what holiday are we going to celebrate or, you know, mm, what is your kid going to call me when you're dating? So I really just tried to think about real life and the kinds of things that couples tend to encounter and the places where if you disconnect with your partner, it could be very... It could be damaging, anywhere from a little bit damaging to a lot damaging. So I stayed away, and I know there are books like this, and I'm sure they're good, but I stayed away from questions like, you know, if we were on a desert island and a orangutan tried to attack me, <laughs> what would you do? You know, I, I tried to stay away from, you know, if in the future we all lived on Mars, would you still love me? I, I just tried to stay with real questions and... So that was that was my guide, and the the thing with questions is they're all good. You know, some of them may be silly, some of them may be irrelevant to a particular couple, and therefore seem silly. But to another couple, that's you know the, a, that same question might get to the heart of the issue. But in any case, the thing that's important that I found was important that I encourage other people to consider is that you don't have to have the same answer to the questions as your partner. doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you guys or you're not going to make it. 
what's important is knowing your partner's answer and feeling comfortable that you have shared your answer fully. And then if you agree, great. If you disagree, well, that's useful to know. And if you don't know how to answer it, that's also useful. But nobody has to have the same answers, except for certain questions that for some people are deal breakers. Like, what comes to mind is, do you want children? For many people, if one person said yes and the other person said no, that's a deal breaker kind of question. That's the most common one that could actually cause a relationship to end, um, I think, which, because you got, you know, if you disagree on that, there's, that's, that's a big problem. But for other couples, do we share a religion could be a deal breaker. For some couples, it's not. And it just depends on the people, but you don't have to agree on all the answers is what I'm trying to say. I um I don't remember reading about identifying questions as deal breaker questions or not, but I that seems like that would be a really good practice as someone were to go through your book to sort of star the ones where it's like, wow, this one has a lot of energy for me. Like this this could be a deal breaker for me. Or maybe yeah. it will be one. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. Though, are, do you get, did you find for yourself or have you heard feedback from people around people thinking something was a deal breaker or when they didn't answer a certain question the same way, they got that feeling of, oh my word, like how can, how can I ever live with this person or how could this possibly work? And then actually finding themselves shifting or changing and is is there a process that you could speak to that that might actually encourage that kind of growth when people do find that their answers don't necessarily line up yeah well as long as you the process can be summed up in one phrase i think and that is don't issue ultimatums one sentence it's not really a phrase you know, once you issue an ultimatum, like you have to have the same answer as me or you have to change your answer, then that's it. There's nowhere to go in that conversation. A conversation can go on indefinitely as long as no one issues an ultimatum. So, for example, for Duncan and I, the hardest question and the first question in the list that I wrote was, where are we going to live? Because he lived in Boston and I lived in New York. And we both had very compelling reasons for not moving. He had a son here. That was very compelling. And I had a very, what to me was a very important career and uh, creative life that I felt I would lose. So we just didn't know what to do for a long time. And when I say a long time, I mean seven years. Wow. Like, a seriously long time, even including the first three years of our marriage. We didn't live in the same place. And there were many times when one of us could have said to the other, you have to do this. You have to, if you don't move by X date, or if you don't decide what to do by X date, this is over. And I would understand if someone would have done that. It it was a very long time. However, instead, we just we're confused together. 
(laughs) (laughs) And we would get angry, not at, you know, at the situation. And we would express that freely, or we would get frustrated, or we would get downhearted, or we would, we went through all the things a person would go through with an insolvable problem, and we just shared the discomfort of it. But at no point did anyone say, you have to move. So, you know, for better or worse, I think for better, it worked out. But if someone, had, again, had said, you have to do this, then that would, the relationship would be over. That said, there are some questions that deserve ultimatums. You know, like, do you want children? You, that's a question. It's like, you can't go on forever without answering that. Otherwise, it's answered for you. And if you know that you want children and you're in love with someone who isn't sure, you know, no one can say you have to start wanting children. But that is something you can't leave to chance because that can lead to so much unhappiness and bitterness and recrimination. So I'm not saying never issue ultimatums. I'm just saying if you want the process to continue to develop, don't issue ultimatums. I think that there often comes a time around questions in a relationship where you might find yourself saying, you know, I've been in the confusion long enough and I actually know what I want. And, and maybe that can, maybe that will end up coming through as an ultimatum or more just an expression of, you know, like I said, I want kids. You said you don't want kids. If, if you can't, if your mind isn't going to change about that, then I've, I've reached a point where I'm no longer okay with it. Totally. I totally think that's reasonable. Yeah. Completely. And it still gives the other person the opportunity to think really carefully about <laughs> about how resolute they are, I think, in, in their answer to the question. Absolutely. It's not saying anything about what you have to do. It's saying, this is how I feel, and now you can make your choices. Yeah, that's totally reasonable. Painful for everyone, sure. but in the sh- in the long term, a very good thing to do. So, I want to I want to address that question of how we dwell in confusion and uncertainty. But before we do that, one thing that I really appreciated about your book was, along with its pragmatism, and we're gonna go a little bit deeper for our listeners around we'll list some of these questions and the areas of life that they represent. But before that, there was an attitude that you spoke about in terms of being in love and loving if I'm I'm hope I'm paraphrasing this, okay, versus acting lovingly. Uh, yeah. And I'm wondering if you can address that explain what you mean by acting lovingly and how you contrast that with what people tend to think of what it means to be in love in a relationship. Yeah, sure. I appreciate you bringing that up. In the marriage vow, in most ceremonies, you're asked to commit to love. I vow to love you. But you can't commit to that. I'm sorry. No matter how much you love, you can't say to anyone, I will love you always. Because you won't. 
you will go through minutes or days or weeks or months where you don't love that person. You, you know, it just, emotions are not solid. It doesn't mean that your relationship is bad, even. It just means some days you just, that you just don't feel it. And however, that doesn't mean you can't act lovingly. That you can commit to. You can commit fully and completely and totally honestly. I commit to acting lovingly. And of course, you may fail from time to time. We all do. But that's a, that's an honest commitment. And by act lovingly, what I mean is not so much feel love, but be open to that person. Be care about their experience. Be willing to share and be open yourself about your own experience. And be willing to continually come back and try again to understand, to open, to feel, to share, to express honestly. And sometimes what you want to express is love because that's true. Now, there's other times what you want to express is anger because that's true. But the commitment to be honest and not stupid honest, but to share what's in your heart is what I would call acting lovingly. And again, sometimes acting lovingly means you love the person, but sometimes acting lovingly means you are angry at the person, but you explain and share with them what is happening for you, and you are open to and invite their response. I think that's loving. Yes, and you bring that to the process of asking and answering questions, right? So when the process that you suggest in the, in your book is when you ask a question that you should put all of your judgments, responses, feelings, etc., as much as possible to the side. And I, I think you say something like, trust that those things will be there for you if you need them, like down down the line. But that really your goal is to, as much as possible, come to an understanding of your partner's answer to the question and why are they answering it the way that they are. Yeah. And and even before why, what are they saying? Mm. What did they just say? <laughs> um, it's surprising how often you just don't even get what they're saying. You you something because something and it's understandable, this is this is all so vulnerable. But something gets triggered in you, some fear or some discomfort or some doubt and then you don't hear anything anymore and you just want to sort of fight what you just heard but fine you can fight what you just heard if you don't like it that's totally cool but first hear hear what the person said right make sure you understand it yeah i like that that you're you're careful to to not put your projections on what they're saying and, oh, what they said this, so that means that they're never going to want to go to Germany with me because they <laughs> said they don't like to travel or, you know, whatever it is. And I must go to Germany at least once in my life. I'm just making that up. Sure. But 
But actually, if you said, if you asked them, are you saying that that means you would never travel with me, like, say, to Germany, where I really want to go, then they might say, well, no, that's not what I meant at all. I just mean that I don't really prioritize travel. And Right. But or they might say, yes, that's exactly what I mean. Right. But yeah, so make sure you understand. And, and what you say about not going with your projection, that is the ultimate definition of acting loving, I believe. Yeah, and how would someone know that they're projecting versus actually hearing? Well, your partner will pretty much tell you. <laughs> I mean, they might not say, hey, you're projecting onto me, but you'll get in a fight. Yeah. It doesn't mean that's the, you know, there's no formula for these things. But if you, you know, when you start getting into any kind of you always do this, you have, you know, you have this problem, you have this, you know, issue that you need to resolve at the expense of what you say makes me feel this, or I get afraid when you say that because blah, blah, blah. The more you talk about what you feel and the less you sort of critique or try to change your partner, the better off you're going to be. Right. So it, initially, you're working towards your understanding of what they're even saying. And then you might share something like, wow, like hearing that, I start to get afraid about this thing, or that makes me really angry because of this, or... But yeah, that's coming from at least a place of understanding. And also, you're not judging them hopefully for what they said you're you're more basing what you're resp how you're responding in your own feeling yes and even if you are judging them you can still say wow what you just said really shocks me and it makes me have a harsh judgment toward you that i don't feel happy about i you know you can be honest you can be totally honest you don't have to dress up what you're saying but you have to own it right like you offer an example in the book uh, when you talk about wanting to switch careers, I'm afraid you'll fall in love with someone else. Yeah. That's reasonable. And it's yeah. a lot different than saying like, I don't want you to switch careers or what do you mean you want to you wanna do that? We have a perfectly good life or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Why are you always trying to change things that are working out okay? You know, it's just own your discomfort. But the only way you can own it is if you know it. And this is where most of us just totally mess up because we just don't know. We don't just don't know how we really feel. And that, you know, f initial feeling of discomfort, like, oh, he's going to change something about our life that might threaten our relationship. Immediately that disappears and goes into, well, what's your problem? Why, you know, why are you always trying to change things? So to catch that initial moment of this makes me feel threatened. That's now we're in big boy, big girl territory because that's not easy. That takes a lot of presence of mind. And I don't, I happen to believe that without that, you're going to be in a very confused situation. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a minute. Um, because that must tie in really well with your work. Uh, doing meditation practice and the open heart project. And could you share with our listeners a little bit about what, what you do in that world? Yes, thank you. I, when I wrote the hard questions, I 
had just, I, I was not a Buddhist teacher, <laughs> although I was a Buddhist student and practitioner, which I still am. But in the intervening years, I've become a meditation teacher and a Buddhist teacher. And I knew, I thought that The Hard Questions was a Buddhist book. To me, it was, I mean, it's not about Buddhism, obviously, in any way, but I knew that it was a result of my practice as a med- meditator. But that, who cares? That was just meaningful to me. <laughs> but I, you know, would say now that meditation practice, the practice of mindfulness, awareness, is what enables you to slow your mind down to the long enough so that you can separate your feelings from your actions and your discomfort from your lashing out. And so for me, some people are naturally good at that. They just can do that. I'm not one of those people. So for me, the practice of meditation has been essential in my relationship, and not to mention my whole life, because it enables me to own what I feel and separate my projections on good days from my husband, and it enables me to be honest with him. So I teach meditation online now uh, in something called the Open Heart Project, which is my online, you know, world, and it's free. Anyone who signs up gets a guided meditation instructional video from me once a week, and I just think it is so important for good relationships, for, you know, being courageous in your personal and creative life to take chances because it teaches you how to stand in discomfort which you had mentioned earlier and the ability to stand in discomfort to weather discomfort without trying to run from it is very very important it's of utmost importance in relationships in creative process and you know political process there is no uh nothing more important than that i don't think yes and not only to not run from it but also to not necessarily try to fix your discomfort right away to to neglect or maybe step back from those initial few responses that you might have when you're in discomfort to see those for what they are as well. Yes. So for those of you who are more interested in finding out about uh, Susan Piver's work, she has a lovely new website, susanpiver.com, and you spell her last name P as in Pierre, I-V-E-R. So it's susanpiver.com. And you can go there, you can sign up on her newsletter. You can also go to susanpiver.com slash newsletter hyphen sign up. And that's like an actual hyphen, not the word hyphen. And uh, that will get you onto her newsletter, which gets you that weekly meditation video, um, blog posts, etc. I will, as always, I will put all of these links on my website. And if you go to neilsatin.com slash 
Susan, and you get to be slash Susan because you're the first Susan that I've interviewed, <laughs> then, um, then you'll see the show notes from this episode. You'll see relevant links to, um, to Susan's book on Amazon and her website. And, oh, I almost forgot that, um, Susan, thankfully, has uh, generously offered to give away a signed copy of her book, The Hard Questions, to a lucky listener. So if you are listening to this interview within the first week that it aired, you can um, download the show guide from the website, and that will qualify you for the giveaway. Or you can just text the word PASSION, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, to the number 33444. And, uh, and that will enter you in the, um, in the giveaway and also, um, make it really easy for you to get the, um, show notes and guides for all of our podcast episodes. So thank you so much, Susan, for your willingness to do that. Oh, my pleasure. Your book is very practical. And that's one of the things that I like about it. There are so many relationship books that actually have lots of great insight. And we've talked to a lot of those authors here. And yet, there's something about your book in its simplicity that I think is a really effective way to get to know the person that you're with. It reminds me a lot of, I don't know if you're familiar with the process of circling. Have you ever heard of that? Mm-mm. No. Uh-uh. It's, it's a practice of a group of people asking questions of a single person who's being circled with the, the object being that you should really try to get to know that person's experience so well that if someone said, Hey, you know, what, what would Susan do in this situation? They would know they, Hmm. they could answer that from, you know, from your perspective. Hmm. And, and so that, that process of asking questions and, uh, and avoiding getting trapped in how you're relating to their answer of the question and instead just really, hearing what is being said and trying to recognize their viewpoint it's it seems like just it's an amazing way to to explore the person that you're with and the questions that you ask are so simple that and i think deceptively simple in a lot of cases um which maybe is good it maybe makes them easy to answer or or less intimidating i should say to to like sit down and be like oh yeah i'm going to i'm going to um I'm going to answer this question. Who keeps the household books and pays bills? That's a question from your, your home sec- section or maybe the money section. Right. And, um, and that seems easy. Like it's me, right? And then, yeah. and then you get to hear your partner's answer. And then that's when the, the nice dialogue happens, of course, because yeah. it may be what you expected or maybe not. Um, so that you don't have to try and remember, I'll just say for everyone, you, you offer questions in the category of home, money, work, sex, health and food, and family. And I'm wondering if there are any categories that you, like after the book came out, you're like, ooh, I should have included that. Or have there been any questions that have come up for you since then where you're like, if I were to write a sequel or, mm-hmm. you know, a hundred more questions, this is... <laughs> A question um, that, that I'd ask. Yeah, I think I would add a section on um, step families. Mm. And somebody suggested, and I didn't think about this, but this would be good to have some questions about like alcohol and drug use and 
you know, addictive behaviors and things like that. I'm not sure what you would ask, but it would be good to have something because some people, they just don't see, you know, they think having a glass of wine at dinner is just, that's just normal. And other people think, you know, don't, it's hard to believe, but, you know, so, but anyway, there are enough people who feel, well, I guess it is not hard to believe because if you grew up in an alcoholic family or that's an important question. But if you didn't, it's it's just not even, it's a non-question. But I would have added something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And in my own relationship, neither of us drinks. Um, and that's been something that's been really great for us to, to have that not be an issue. Mm. Um, in the context of our relationship, like we hang out with friends who are drinking all the time and both of us drank at earlier points in our lives. But at this point, neither of us does. And it's it's great to have that out on the table. And that was something that we actually talked did talk about really early on in our in our connection with each other. That's really nice. So some of your other questions, just to give people a taste for for what you've asked, um, like in the chapter on health and food, do we eat meals together? Which ones? Again, a simple question. And the answer to that, like, if you can imagine some people who who put a lot of importance on eating every meal together versus people who are used to just grabbing things on the go and it's it's less important and what that means for for family um a lot of people of course listen to the show and they're struggling around issues of intimacy so i want to try to grab one from the sex um section um oh here will be a great one for people to talk about what if one of us is attracted to someone else superficially or deeply? That's a bigger question for people to answer, I bet. Mm. Um, maybe not quite as big as, am I affectionate enough with my partner? Do I cuddle and cherish him or her enough? So just an opportunity for people to really reflect on their experience on what they think their partner's experience of them is. And then of course, to have some, some dialogue around it. Exactly. I'm wondering if any of the questions in the book have come back to, to haunt you or like have offered like some big surprise that you hadn't even really considered when you put the question in the book. The questions are so plain, you know, they're, they're so, and they're so divorced from a theory or philosophy, I believe, that they're just whatever you make of them questions. And like I said, I think earlier, some of the questions will seem silly if they're not, if they're not an issue for you. But I guess the thing that nothing has come to haunt me because I, you know, if I had put the hundred hard questions and and their answers, then <laughs> many things would have come back to haunt me. But there are no answers in the book. But I, I guess I was, I was not surprised particularly that people who did the book broke up. But you know, some people I would hear from. But I, the thing that I wasn't expecting, I guess, was they felt kind of relieved like I'm glad that these things came to light now rather than 10 years and two kids from now so 
I mean, it's never a good to break. It's never happy when people when a relationship ends. So I'm not suggesting that in any way. But there were there are people who, you know, I was older when I got married, so I guess that's my excuse. But there are people I would guess, especially young people who who um, just make a lot of assumptions. Well, I assume that if we get married, we'll live in the same house, obviously, and we'll have children. But there are people. They're just important. It's important to question assumptions, and so anyway, that's the that's the only thing that comes to mind about surprising things. Yeah, I think that could be a great tagline for this episode too. Is it's important to challenge assumptions? Yeah, at least just investigate them. Yeah, great. Well, Susan Piver, thank you again so much for being on Relationship Alive and. Again, her book, The Hard Questions, 100 Essential Questions to Ask Before You Say I Do, are a great vehicle for you to get to know yourself and your partner a lot better. And if you need any more information, uh, please go to neilsatin.com slash Susan or text the word passion to the number 33444, where we will have links to uh, Susan's website, or you can just go directly to her website, susanpiver.com, that's P-I-V-E-R, and uh, check out all the great things that she's up to, the different books that she's written, the meditation teachings, and live events and workshops that you do as well, right? Exactly. Uh huh. Great. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. And thank you for listening to another episode of Relationship Alive. If you like what you've heard and want to make it easier for other people to find out about us, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have questions or comments or want to continue the conversation, you can always join our Relationship Alive community Facebook group. And for more information about today's episode, visit us online at neilsatin.com slash podcast. Or you can always text the word PASSION, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, to the number 33444 for more information. Finally, do you have a burning question that you're hoping we can have answered here on Relationship Alive, either for a future or past guest? Let me know and I'll see what I can do. Take care and see you next time.